Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, this is Dr. Dyke Drummond at thehappymd.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington with the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. And we're going to have a good time today because one of the friends of the broadcast that I've been wanting to introduce to you for a while, Dr. Kim Lucas, is an internist in Tempe, Arizona. And we're going to talk about a topic that's gotten a little bit of press in the last few years as burnout rates have soared. But the question is this, okay, I'm a doctor. I may have struggled at some point in time with burnout and had to torque my career to be a little bit different than I planned when I chose to go to medical school. But now my daughter says she wants to go to medical school. What do I tell her? What do I not tell her? What do I warn her about? Do I let her do it? What in the world happens now? So Kim, tell us a little bit about your daughter. She shall remain, uh, let's, let's let her remain anonymous, but tell us a little bit about you, your family, your daughter, all that kind of stuff. And let's, let's talk about this. How do you talk to your kids about going to medical school conversation? All right. So she's the daughter of two physicians. So her dad is also a doc. He's from abroad. Uh, my parents are abroad and from the same country where he uh, was born. And I, the way I got to know him was I went to medical school in Hungary. And uh, I grew up with the idea that, you know, being a doctor is a safe, safe way. You're always needed. And as my father would say, even if you land in prison it, for political reasons, because everybody ended up in prison for political reasons, they'll still need you. And you're most likely going to have food and you'll survive. So that was the the kind of mindset that I grew up with, along with engineering, uh, doctoring, nursing, uh, science-based careers are okay because they're not tied to any type of ideology or language need to, you know, being really good or, or anything else. You know, you can show up anywhere and do science um, or be a doc. Now, it's not that simple, but it kind of is. So that's what I grew up with. And her dad became a physician. Nobody pressured him, but he found that that he he had had some personal experiences. And through that around his young teens, he decided he wanted to be a doctor. We both loved medical school. We both did really well with it. We trained together in this country. And, you know, it had its movements, but basically we enjoyed it. And for most most of the time, we've really liked being doctors without, you know, usual changes and career things that you can have in any career. Well, and, and before we go any further, let's set a stage here because I think it's probably important that people know our our generation. So, for instance, I'm 63. Uh, how old are you, if you're willing to disclose? I'm, I'm the big, I just turned the big 6-0, you know, and okay, I think okay. a flip got switched. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's a good, it's a good switch that got, no, not the flip got switched, the switch got flipped. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and in our generation, it was basically, you know, you find something to do, and then you work at it, and you work at that. I mean, and it was about that simple, Dyke, right? It was, well, it, and it sounds like the programming that you had coming from Eastern Europe is that it's safe. 
It's safe. You totally. can live anywhere, make a living. Uh, you know, you can be expert at it. It is doable. And as as a as a parent, I'm probably happy that my child is a doctor. Yes. Because they'll always be okay, right? Yes. And you know, your work is not measured subjectively. So your work work security is pretty good, not just from a political standpoint, but economically and a lot of other things. And he would say, you know, if you want to play the violin, you can be a really good violinist and still be a doctor. But you can't be, I mean, you can be a really good doctor and still be a violinist. But if you're a violinist and you decide to be a doctor, that's kind of hard. Right. Um, there was a brief time when I wanted to be a movie editor. Um, and then I got accepted to medical school. And I was like, mm, yeah, I think I'll just do the medical <laughs> school thing. Um, and I don't regret that. There were times when I wondered, but overall, looking back, you know, I, I made the right decision for myself. So, so here we are. Here we are. Years later, and you have an American-born <laughs> daughter. Yes. Now she grew up among doctors. She went to the office a lot with me. It's shocking how much she knows about medicine. Uh, she worked as a medical scribe. She never really did anything in the office, but she spent a lot of time at the office and she's probably heard way more conversations than, you know, most people do. And she understands, you know, the lifestyle. So her dad does anesthesia. I was a primary care physician. I worked for people. I had my own office and worked in a group and now I'm an employee. So she's, she's seen a good range of things. And I wouldn't say every friend of mine is a doctor, but, you know, there, there are several in our social groups on both sides. If you want to be a doctor, be a doctor. But if you don't want to be a doctor, don't be a doctor. And even kids who ask me, medical students or anybody, they're always like, well, is it a, is it a good job? And it's like, it's a good job if it's the right thing for you, but it's not an absolute. So I'm a little bit softer on it than with my parents. And people can have other talents. She went into college doing pre-med and by the end, she was a little bit of an entrepreneur. She started an organization for homeless people. Um, from there, she started a transportation and health navigation for the underserved and homeless. And from that, uh, developed a company just for navigation purposes, which she has been doing for, uh, they were supposed to start almost as COVID hit. So it was a bit delayed, but they were still planning. So she's been doing that almost for two years and successfully. But here she is wanting to go to medical school. <laughs> so, so how old is she now? 26. Okay, great. So, so I don't know about you, but when I was going to medical school, it was pretty much of um, a track, right? It was college, med school, residency, all, all in a line. And so I chose to go to medical school when I was 21. It was in medical school when I was 22. She has actually started her own nonprofit, is CEO of her own nonprofit, and is 26. So she's got a little water under her bridge, too. She's taken a break, seen business from other angles. And now she's thinking back and wants to go to medical school almost as an afterthought to her nonprofit career. Yes. And, and she also has this helping thing. So the light worker. I think she got she has the light worker gene. Now, and by the way, my mother is a nurse. So, but I was I'm the first doctor in the family, and so is her dad. So there's this idea of I want to make a difference in the world and I want to help people. She likes what she's doing, but there are parts of it that she doesn't like. She just wants to be a physician as far as, you know, we've we've kind of explored it. And that's one of the wrinkles, you know, exploring these things with your own kids 
is a lot more loaded than exploring it with, you know, someone who's not a family member or, or close. How do I say this? I guess you're at stake too. So you're a stakeholder in their, in their lives as opposed to being a little bit more distant. So you have, you have literal skin in the game. <laughs> Literally. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and I was, I was thinking too, that there's all these polls. One of the popular questions in burnout polls is that one that says, would you on a scale of zero to 10, would you recommend medicine as a career to your firstborn child? It's an abstract question, but people get all excited over the fact that most doctors say no. But here we are, your firstborn child. We're actually talking about this. And we're also talking about this from you as her mother who has 40, 40 years of water under the bridge of the actual living, making a living as a physician. So right. when she said, she, when she said, mom, I want to go to medical school, what was your first reaction? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> well, you know, it's. It's more about, I don't have a a firm feeling that she should go or she shouldn't go. It's more about, you know, are you doing the right thing for the right reason? Are you asking the right questions? Because, you know, it might be the right answer for a, a certain question, but is really that the question you need to be asking? What is it you're seeking? And hopefully that they can navigate that idea of what they're seeking well, you know, and that that's my main concern that that process be good. And then if, if that's where it seems to be, then I I'm happy with that. And, and I would support her no matter what. Um, but it's more that question. And, and how does that process look? And I told her too, I said, well, no one's going to tell you, Vivian, that going to med school is a bad idea because, you know, everybody's, you know, they've still asked, is Vivi going to go to medicine or should she go to medicine or she should go to medical school? But I said, no one's really going to tell you it's a bad idea, right? Right. And then, but this is a little bit like what we teach doctors that are burned out, that have sort of lost their way along the path of their career is we teach them a triad here. Um, and the triad is vision, strategy, tactics in that order. So um, medical school is a strategy. And what you're saying is, what's your vision? Um, and will medical school get you there? What we're trying to do is make sure she's on the right track and headed in the right direction to get to her vision of what she wants her future to be. And um, this is the same thing we do with burned out doctors is what's your ideal job description? Let's figure out what that vision is so we can make these adjustments. The other thing I'll say is, I know your daughter. I, I know you and I know your daughter. And um, I suspect that she's different than you and me in our generation in that I don't know anybody that I went to medical school with or that I had as a clinical colleague who ever considered anything else with their career than seeing patients. I'm going to graduate from medical school and have an MD after my name. I'm going to go to residency and I'm going to see patients and make a living that way. I don't get the idea that your daughter is set on that track. She may use her MD for something completely different. Definitely. I think that's quite possible. And I, I think she sees that as well. And she's gained a lot of experience and she's actually quite good at what she does. So she has a lot of talents and I'm not worried, but, you know, medicine, especially the, you know, where you get to a point where at least you have a degree and then do you go and do residency, you know, you're talking about a big time commitment, you know, that's seven years of your like prime years, especially also, you know, as a young female, you have childbearing you know, things in that. And and all those things are getting a bit better. It's still a fact that, you know, you have to be pregnant and have a young baby, you know, have demands on you. 
you know, and your own demands on you. So it's not just what school needs or the training program needs. If you want to excel to a certain degree, it's tough. Well, and, and back in the day, we didn't bat an eye on the seven years, seven to 11 years that it took to be a doctor. It was just the right, right. passage. And, and remember, it was unrestricted work hours. So it was a totally different thought process. We had to survive it. We had to make it through and it was onerous, but that's just what you had to do. Why? Because that's the way we've always done it, right? That's the only thing I could ever get out of a professor. Why are you doing this to us? Because that's the way I was treated, right? And, you know, and then by the end of that process, whether it's the four years or the seven years, there's a lot of sunk costs. And we all know the psychology of sunk costs. They're hard to leave. Um, is it wrong to leave them? No, but it, it's a fact. It's a barrier. And then not to mention, you know, your psychological or energy sunk costs, but also monetary, et cetera, et cetera. Lost opportunity cost. And, and as you know, as you get older, you realize the value of that. It's a little bit different on the other end, but thank God we have young people too. So I can see that philosophically, but as a parent, you're like, you know, a little clutchy, especially at 60. So clutchy, I like <laughs> clutchy. Okay. So, so, yeah, so I'm sitting here trying to imagine me as a 21 year old in college saying to myself, what do I do now? I have an honors degree in biology with a 397. By the way, the only the only classes I didn't get A's in were anti-utopian fiction and film and co-ed volleyball. So I I didn't know how to do pass fail because I was a schoolboy and <laughs> came across the pond and I didn't know how to do pass fail. So, but I said to myself, what am I going to do now? And it uh, turns out that if I was going to go on a biology trajectory into a master's program, I would have been a lab rat and I couldn't handle that at all. So I submerged myself in medicine and and was and ran the gauntlet. I'm just trying to imagine your daughter sitting there going, well, I, I've got this nonprofit and it's working out pretty well. And maybe I'll get an MD, but seven years, that's too much. I'll take that MD and I'll do something else with it. And, and I, there's just a whole different thought process around that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably needed because there's so many new things that weren't, you know, 40 years ago. So I do think you need people who are MDs doing other things. But how much does medical school give you that minus the training? So again, that's kind of a, an iffy question in my mind is, you know, what can you get out of it? Although it does say, you know, you did something, you know, it's not easy to get an MD, you know, and it says that you're you're smart and you can learn and and it says a lot. You pass the bucket of marshmallows test. <laughs> That's right. And I was talking to my former boss and he said, you know, I have two people in my organization. He's a, a medical director of a Medicare Advantage plan. And it's a it's it's not like a medical director in a clinic. It's it's a bigger job. And he has two guys, one left after medical school, and he's now a certified coder. And he did not do training. The other one did finish training and he's working as a medical director, I believe, or reviewer or something to that extent. So so when you say training, you mean residency? Residency, yes. Gotcha. And thank God all those things are becoming, they're not what you and I experienced, you know? And weirdly enough, I liked it. I, I really loved it. My third year of residency, especially when they brought in that night float stuff, I, I kind of felt like some of that was just labor and I resented that. And I, I missed my uh, some more of those um, electives. So that pissed me off. 
but up until that point, I was pretty, I was really enjoying it. Well, and I, I enjoyed medical school and residency. I was a gunner, right? You aren't going to outcompete me. I was going to be top of the food chain, not in the academic setting, but working hard. I was mm-hmm. cap- captain of the local rugby team and all that kind of stuff. Toxic max- masculinity <laughs> in- <laughs> incarnate, right? And uh, I could see that now. But uh, I was certainly beat up by the system. I was traumatized, lost a baby as a resident, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think most of the people that I deal with are clinical physicians and folks who manage clinical physicians. I can't imagine that an MD gives you the right to supervise a bunch of practicing doctors unless you have not only graduated from a residency program. Again, you, I still don't think you learn until you're out in practice. You better have 10 years of experience on your belt as a practitioner before you're going to start creating a context or environment or culture for practicing doctors, I would think. Right. Although, you know, it's funny, I do know, I do have a person who's my age. She was actually in residency with my, with my daughter's dad, and she was doing anesthesia in about, I don't know, second year somewhere. She just said, you know, done, jumped ship, did, finished up an occupational residency, and then became a very, very young vice president at Aetna or USA Health oh, or wow. one of those organizations. And she's one of these people who's like super brilliant, speaks three languages, and she actually still knows her medicine. It's really quite amazing. So there are people who can take what they learn in medical school and really, really retain it and still run with that. Now, she left that and ended up doing something different. She's an exception, you know, that she was able to actually have a leadership. Now, it was in an insurance company, but still. And she was a young star. And by the way, this is an aside, but she was the one where I first saw like executive training and coach training. You know, she would tell me about all these classes that they were putting her through. And I was like, gee, why don't they teach that stuff to doctors? <laughs> like, because you're, you're supposed to stay on the assembly line and keep churning out the RVUs, right? right? Well, I mean, as you talk about that, I'm just reminded that the healthcare industry is 17% of the GDP. And, uh-huh. and, and certainly a clinician, a f- person with an MD after them, their name, seeing patients in the line as a clinician is only one job description that an MD would benefit, right? Right. So she was able to do that. But I agree with you that, you know, without some practice, it's you're a little bit, uh, yeah, no. And, and will people respect what you say? (laughs) Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so let's say that your daughter goes to medical school, right? Let's say she does it. Right. And, and it's her decision because you're, you're just making sure she's on the right track. Like she's heading in a place that she really wants. What role do you envision yourself playing as she's having conversations with you about the stresses of medical school down the road? <laughs> you know, like that nail in the head video. You just <laughs> It's not about the nail. <laughs> it's not about the nail. You just, you know, you listen. And, and I thought about it in great detail, you know, and I guess it depends. But, you know, anything your parents tell you, it's always like a delayed reaction, you know, where you're like, Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I have more and more of those, you know, my dad passed four years ago, and there's stuff that I'm now like, Oh, I get what he said, you know, or, (laughs) or my mother talks about what her mother said, and my mother is 86 years old. And some of those aha moments came to her five years ago, you know, Um, and they keep becoming bigger. So you're like, yeah, that's just, I guess, the that's really the original sin where you can't, you know, 
tell your kids exactly how it goes. And, and it's just the nature of, I think, life. But I imagine, you know, babysitting and other things, you know, it'll be like just supporting her, you know, but when she comes with those, I don't know, you bite your lip. I don't know. I don't know. But good question. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> but it, it's interesting that the black and white question that, that gets asked on all these surveys, how likely are you to recommend medicine to your firstborn child is obviously not a real question. It's not the way you live a four-year journey with your child through medical school. It's not the way you talk about these things with your kids. And uh, so thank you for le leading us through a more nuanced thought process here as we potentially contemplate how to advise our children or grandchildren, perhaps going right. forward. And I also, you know, one of the things I tell a lot of people is, you know, we all end up on a hamster wheel of one kind or another. The Queen of England is on a hamster wheel, you know, and she's done a great job of it for a very long time. So the the trick, you know, the the skill is figuring out what's the best hamster wheel for you and making that choice. That's the, you know, that's what I would distill it down to right gotcha in the end everything devolves to work yes everything being a wife being a mom being anything you choose you know even being a celebrity it's friggin' hard work you know and by the way that's a drucker quote a good austrian <laughs> leadership development guy is there anything else you want to do or say or ask to be complete for this little interview kim thank you and I hope it's, you know, useful. Well, and I'm going to be interested to watch you and your daughter as she goes through this journey, because my, if I was a betting man, my money would be on her out at four years and, and applying herself someplace in business with an MD behind her name, but probably not seeing patients. Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, and, and the other thing that this invites me to do, if I'm looking at my higher self is to really be, you know, be curious, stay open and, and be supportive in that way. Like, yeah, you know, life happens and who knows? So we'll see. And then I'll, I'll just refer back to this triad, vision, strategy, tactics. When she starts talking to you about stress or things like that, uh, my, my thought process as a parent runs to just checking her vision. Are we still, right. headed, are we still headed in a direction that when you arrive, you're going to dig it? which is what we do. It's a core piece of what we do with all the doctors that see us because of burnout and overstress. Right on. Well, this is awesome. Kim, thank you so very much. Dyke Drummond. Thank you. Ciao. TGIS. There you go. <laughs> the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast has been me and Kim talking about what happens if your kid wants to go to medical school. Ah, First of all, don't pull all your hair out. Check it out. And then uh, this particular episode is sponsored by our Burnout Proof MD three-layer physician support ecosystem. There's some links down below to teach you more about the ecosystem so you can decide whether you want to come in from the cold. We'll see you on the next podcast. Until then, keep breathing and have a great rest of your day.